The New Testament reading is from the book of James, the first chapter. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, which has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the seventh chapter. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? But then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone who, then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. This is the gospel of our Lord. Week one begins. Welcome to a Red Letter Challenge. This is the first Sunday of the series of Sundays. We have five major weeks plus an introduction. We might have a conclusion because on October 20th, we have our first ever church picnic, and that's the conclusion day of the Red Letter Challenge, so we might have something fun with that. But how about the music today? Wasn't that fun? We had a flash mob in church. That was really cool. For the choir folks that did that, thank you. Now, at the late church, we had, okay, so Winston Spencer over here. At the early church, he did everything, well, most of it, just from sound and from knowing music because we had troubles getting his stuff downloaded on his Apple device. And so for the musician, thank you, Mr. Spencer, for being here today. Love your music, guys. Love your music. And Mr. Morgan working the car and singing Red Letter Challenge. And thank you, sir. That was good. That was really good. All right. So the next 40 days have an opportunity for us to have some of the greatest impact in our lives in the lives of this congregation, and in the lives around the, the people that we associate with on a daily basis, this community around us. 
Fully participating in this challenge will give us an opportunity to grow our faith and stretch us out of a comfort zone into more like a, a blessed with God zone, right? We'll leave comfort and just average and we're going to stretch out and be like Jesus and more than ever before be filled with this goodness that is God. So we've been asking you to participate that. So thank you for taking up the challenge. It's, it's a gift as a pastor to, to, to show out some ideas with some folks that came back with some ideas from the best practices and then have a whole congregation said, yes, we're going to go along with this crazy idea for 40 days. We'll get back to you on the 41st day. But for right now, we're in it, and it's kind of fun. So thank you. All right, so thinking about this challenge, I want to start off with some, what do you think were some good intentions that sometimes didn't always go exactly the way you thought they should go? Um, and you probably can all raise your hand to this, but just think about this. Have you had a good a time in your life when you set out with a goal, set out with something to do, and you had the best of intentions, and then it just gets sideways and ends up in the ditch against a tree, right? I mean, just... Good intentions that go wrong, right? Well, thinking about that in this challenge and sometimes Christians' good intentions, I was thinking about my oldest son once. About the time he's going uh, and he's in high school, he was the youngest one in his class. So all of his friends were driving a full year before he was able to get a driver's license. He was a senior before he could drive. And so his friends were going and his, he said, Dad, Mom, can I go shopping with them? And this was like emancipation. He's going to go someplace without his parents there, right? So I say, okay, go. We knew the kid. We knew the parents. We knew it was going to be safe. We knew where they're going. We knew when they were going to be coming back. It was all good. And so off they were going to go to the, the shops at La Quintera. It's like a mall space in the northwest part of San Antonio. It's a beautiful place there. And um, we knew where he was going to go. Go have fun. He's been working. He saved up some money. So he's got some cash burning in his pocket. Fair enough. Go do what you got to do. And so he went, he came back, he was safe. And when he came back, he was just so excited, right? Because he'd been wanting to get something that was like super sexy, some sunglasses that were really all the style. There were some Oakley sunglasses, kind of a sport, not quite sport, but there was a new fashion of these Oakley sunglasses. And he was wanting to get them only. The problem is they were crazy expensive, like 150, 200 bucks. These Oakley glasses are, they're always this expensive. And he came in with these Oakley sunglasses. I'm thinking, holy smokes. Son, you just, wait, you just wasted. You said I slipped. You just spent your last two weeks of money for a pair of sunglasses. Like, what, what do you think? He says, oh, no, Mom, Dad, let me tell you about this. There was this, this, this little vendor in, the, in this long corridor of things between the stores. And this vendor, he had all these super sexy glasses, all the styles and all these Ray-Bans and all this other stuff. And he even had Oakleys. And Dad, Mom, look, I found he takes out these white glasses with dark tints on them. And they got the big swirling O on the side. They were Oakleys. And he was like, wow, this is great. And I only paid like $25, $30 with tax. I'm thinking, wow, all right. Way to go, son. You know, you found somebody that had them made by Oakley, but they found a way around all this expensive advertisement and all the people that get to have Oakleys for free. And, and you got them. So went to bed celebrating his Oakleys. Next day, it's time to go to work. We got yard work. It's like Saturday and we got some chores to do in the, around the yard. And we're out there in the sun. It's bright. He's got his Oakleys on. And, and all of a sudden, we noticed something that we were close with these Oakleys, and we were really close to having this great product, but we found out that they weren't Oakleys, they were Fakeleys. Fakeleys, all right? They had the Oakley logo, they were the white plastic like the Oakleys were, they had colored lenses similar to the Oakleys. The problem was that the plastic, we started to realize it didn't really stick and it was kind of not working right. The hinges were weak and they weren't really good. And the lenses, they kind of had like waves in them in the sunlight. And, and, and it's like we were so close. 
so close to having these Oakleys and these things for this great price, and we ended up being ah, so disappointed. We had good intentions. He had good intentions, but he missed the mark. He missed having Oakleys. He got fakeleys. Fakeleys. Well, as followers of Jesus, we don't want to be deceived by the world and consume our lives with things in the world that is like fakely life, right? Fakely things for Christians. And you might know what I'm talking about. There's things in this world that we can occupy our lives with and our interests with and invest in, and it might be kind of close to Jesus. It might be kind of close to the kingdom of God, but it's really not all the way there. And you realize it at some point, and it's like, oh, there's another fakely. As Christians, we're notorious for missing out on some of the things that God has placed right before us as we choose other things. The Israelites, think about it. The Israelites had the message of Jesus for all those years, and they still missed seeing him as the Messiah. They missed it. Peter, one of the twelve, spent much of his time in the presence of Jesus, and he completely missed God's purpose for his life. The Galatians had a good gift of God, but they had missed the grace of God. And I believe this extends to Christians today. Many times as followers of Jesus, we have good intentions. But we completely missed out on the full blessed reason and purpose that Jesus sets before us because we've settled for the fakely things of this world. The red letters tell us things. 1230, Mark 1230. Jesus says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your mind and with all of your heart and with all of your strength and with all your soul. And you shall love the neighbor as yourself. He summarized the law and the prophets in those two verses. In Matthew 28, the last thing he says to his friends, he says, now you go and make disciples of all nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded, and you remember that I am with you as you do this to the very end of the age. There is blessed kingdom work to be done. And Jesus is inviting us to be with him and these workers to actually hold on to the treasure and let go of the fakely stuff that doesn't get us all the way. Here's a thought. So if we're as workers, if we, these Christians in the United States, are as workers, how are we doing as his workers? How are we doing as Christians? How are we representing Jesus? The answer to that is we are failing miserably. You might say, well, that's kind of harsh, Pastor, to say something like that. Well, it might be, but think about this. When, when I think about Jesus or when you think about Jesus, there are some things and some words that might come to mind straight up. The first thing they might think about is love. Well, Jesus was love. And we might think about grace because he was all about giving grace. And, and he was about kindness and forgiveness and peace and his holiness and a joy with Jesus. Those are the first things that come to our minds. But let me ask you, if, if Jesus followers were to say, what do you think about other Jesus followers? Some might say some really good things, right? Wow, they've got some really, this Christian over here loves and forgives and just peaceful and blessed. But there might be some others that are like, man, they're kind of mean and they're kind of grumpy and they're far from holiness and they want to follow the world, right? So we might get mixed reviews as we look at ourselves. Well, how does the world look at us? The real test comes is, is how do the ones that we're trying to reach that don't know about Jesus, what do they think about Christians? What do the unchurched people in our country say? 
Well, to answer that, five years ago, authors David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons, they spent three years polling young, unchurched Americans to find out what they thought about Christians. Millions and millions of young people, they discovered, see Jesus followers like this. Are you ready for it? Here it comes. They see us as judgmental, hypocritical, anti-homosexual, too political, old-fashioned, out of touch, insensitive, and boring. Now, your immediate reaction like mine is like, well, that characteristic might be kind of unfair. Why don't they recognize the good things we do? Like, we do have Christian ministries in prison where we try to take care of people and introduce people who have not known Jesus to a better way. And what, what don't they see about the churches? We're like the ones who are right up front when it comes time to help people with tornadoes and hurricanes and disasters and fires and hardships. Christians are the ones that are driving this. From, we're, we're ahead of a lot of agencies in being there. Why don't they see that sort of thing? And the answer could be, fairly or not, that maybe it has to do with the media and the television shows and the hostile press these days, that their, their characterizations of us as judgmental and, and the TV shows, they always have us as the simple-minded, the bigots, the, 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 just like the portrait we just put, and, and they're put us in that kind of a character, and maybe it's sticking, right? So that might be part of the problem, but, but there's more. That's only half the answer to why they see Christians like that. Shockingly, 50% of all those millions of respondents said that they base their negative views on their personal contact with Christians. Personal contact is how they got their descriptions. The authors, the authors didn't write this. They said, many of those outside Christianity reject Jesus because they feel that they are rejected by the Christians. fact is, as Christians, we're broken. We're sinners. If we take a moment to honestly reflect on how we are doing personally at reflecting Jesus' life in our lives, all of us should come to the conclusion that I have and we have, that we haven't represented him well. If Jesus is known for grace, which is getting a free gift that you don't deserve, and we are known for being judgmental, which is getting what you do deserve, we have miserably failed at presenting Jesus. Because judgment is by definition the opposite of grace. We miss the mark. And if Jesus is known for unity, and we are known for being divisive, if Jesus is known for being peace, and we're like irritable and, and unkind to each other, if, peace is, if Jesus is known for seeking, and we are known for being out of touch, if Jesus was like having fun and, and fully living, we're bored, then we have failed. In the red letter challenge, what was birthed? It was birthed out of the desire for people like you and me to represent the real Jesus. People across the country, this week, starting today and this week, are purposefully getting engaged in a 40-day challenge on doing these things because we believe this, that if we can give the right expression of who Jesus really is, that people will fall in love with Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't fall in love with Jesus? He's loving and he's kind. 
He's gracious and forgiving. He's courageous and merciful. And he's holy living. The Son of God. Who wouldn't love that? That means we have to change the picture that we are telling of Jesus. After all that Jesus has done for us, we are not to be content with representing Jesus the way we have always been describing him. We are called to bring people close to Jesus by how we live and what we say and what we present to them. And somehow people are rejecting Christianity by the way we have been living. Well, we can't do that any longer. In this challenge, it's like no moss. Knowing the freedom that Jesus has won for us, knowing the love that Jesus has given to us, knowing how he's paid for our lives now and for all eternity to be able to come home, by being on that cross, we cannot and we will not just sit back and let that existing picture continue to go around the world any longer. But how? How can we change the picture? Pastor Bill Hybels asked, was thinking of that question years ago, not too many years ago, but some time ago. He recognized this challenge himself. He's a pastor of one of the largest congregations in our country. He has been a pastor leader for much of his life. So this pastor did a massive review with his staff and his churches and the churches that he were around. And, and what he found out is that churches, much like ours, his churches, had gotten pretty good at being attractive and maybe drawing the seekers in. And that they would be able to call the seekers to at least come into their buildings. But what they failed miserably, they weren't effective at, was that they were ineffective of taking those seekers and maturing them to lives of holiness and love and blessing and fully following Jesus. His churches could draw them in by offering therapeutic services. They made their, their seekers feel better and, and, and appreciative of the show, if you will. But it didn't lead them to live like Jesus lives. He said clearly the church is not about therapy. The church is about us living as a disciples and it's about us helping other people live like Jesus' disciples. Time for being spectators is over and the time to reflect Jesus poorly is over. That came to mind with these other things to this pastor, Zach Zender, who put together this Red Letter Challenge. He's a Mission Start pastor in Florida. And he had this idea as he's praying and listening to these things and reading these things. The idea came to mind is really simple and really profound. He says, what if we, who say we're Jesus followers, actually take the words of Jesus and put them into practice? Mind-blowing, right? What if, we, what if we had the answers before, how we're to live and how we're to have heaven on earth and, and to have fully just blessed life. If, if those answers have always been before us, if the roadmap has always been next to us, if the instructions on how to put this puzzle together are right there and it's been all along to what it means to be a fully effective, loving like Jesus, blessed follower of Jesus, if they've been all around there, what's been going on? I mean, God, the creator's around us. He made us us and his, his, his human family and his likeness and his image. And, and he, he's the one that knows us and loves us perfectly. And that God in Jesus put that instructions and put that roadmap and put, put that whole thing before us. 
He paid a great price to come down from, from heaven to be on earth to speak these red letters to us. Everything that we do in these next 40 days, the, the red book workbooks that we do every day, the small groups that we do, the messages on Sunday, everything that we do over these next 40 days stems from what Jesus actually said and what Jesus actually did. Revolutionary, not so much. Just do it, right? And, and so we know that's not revolutionary. Jesus himself says in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, he says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. James, his brother, says it more simply in chapter 1, verse 22. He says, do not merely listen to God's word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Matthew chapter 7, 24 we read it today. Everyone then who hears these words, these red letters, and does them, they'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's the big idea. In order to change the picture that we are giving of Jesus, we are going to take Jesus' words, the ones that are written in the red letters, and we're going to take those words out of the Bibles and we're going to put them into practice into our lives daily. Literally. That's the very unoriginal yet revolutionary idea that's going to change not only just the followers of Jesus, but God willing the world around us. Jesus has called us to be his disciples. Us. We get to represent him. We have an opportunity. And I believe that following after Jesus is not a burden. It's the greatest single opportunity of our lives. So welcome to a Red Letter Challenge. God help us be this church. Amen. Let us declare our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we approach you in prayer this day and every day because your Son, Jesus, encouraged us to do so. Trusting in Jesus and believing you to be a God of perfect love, we pray now. Father, we ask you to remove any and every worldly temptation that will interfere with our daily reading of your word and our living in obedience. If it gives you glory, teach us the blessed way of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you continue to guard your church against all temptations and evil-inspired lives. Raise up able and humble leaders that she may have faithful pastors to speak your word faithful servants to accomplish her mission, and faithful support to provide the resources to accomplish such work. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, give to our President, Congress, Governor, and all elected and appointed public servants a heart for your people, a desire to lead according to your holy will, and a passion for service. Give special blessing to all emergency and disaster workers who serve us in our greatest moments of need and protect those who defend us at home and abroad. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Spirit of God, guide us to look beyond ourselves and to recognize the poor and those in need. Give us voices to speak on their behalf and give us generous hearts to supply their need from our abundance. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father God, we pray for those who know who we know who are we pray for those we know and love who are sick and for those who suffer, for those troubled in mind or heart, for the grieving in their sorrow, and for the dying in their last days on earth, for those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, merciful Father, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in you and in your love. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we have boldly prayed. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial. Deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.